Hey again, it's Bria, and welcome to the latest episode of the In Not Of podcast. Today's topic is really all about responding to the negative emotions of someone you care about. Responding to them mindfully, thoughtfully, and without jumping to solutions. An alternative way of describing it is that today we're talking about the question, do you need to problem solve or do you need to vent? I wanted to talk about this because I was thinking about, I just kind of woke up thinking about, I guess, redirecting my gut reaction to someone I love experiencing a negative emotion or experience. I'm often too quick to jump to, are you upset with me because of this problem? How can I get rid of this problem? And I think I really want to start encouraging myself to instead ask, do you need to vent or do you need help problem solving? And sometimes it might be both. I think the answer to that question, whatever it might be, can give you more information about what the other person is experiencing and maybe even information about what you're experiencing in response. The answer to that question might give you information on how you can help and maybe just as importantly, how you can't help. What is my loved one experiencing that I can't just do away with? Are they experiencing anxiety, fear, frustration that I have to let them work through? Are they looking at the problem in a certain way and need the time and space to reframe it for themselves? Maybe you can't get inside their brain and all you can do is encourage and maybe that is a valuable lesson for you. So let's work through an example. Let's say you're married and your wife says the dishwasher didn't get the dishes all the way clean. So There could be more going on there than the dishwasher, some other human need, because relationships with others predate dishwashers. Maybe she's hungry. She was about to make a bowl of cereal in the morning while rushing to work, but now she has no clean bowls and she wants to vent. Maybe she needs help problem solving. Maybe she thought the issue was something technical, like a button that she didn't press last time, Um, So she tried doing it a different way this time, but it didn't work. And now she wants your help or your advice because she's tried one method on her own and it failed. Maybe she has no idea what's wrong with the dishwasher and she wants to crowdsource ideas with you. Put your heads together to solve this problem that affects both of you because you both need dishes to eat off of. Or, and I think this is ideally the exception, but often one that we jump to incorrectly maybe maybe she does see fixing things as your chore and so she's telling you the dishwasher didn't get the dishes all the way clean but she means i want you to fix the dishwasher or maybe you've explicitly made this your chore maybe you said yesterday i'll look at it tonight and you forgot which is an honest mistake but now she's frustrated because in the moment she's still hungry and has no clean cereal bowls a human emotion Maybe she's not frustrated at all. Maybe she's just giving you a heads up for when you come to get a bowl of cereal, don't reach in the dishwasher, the bowls are still dirty. But the point here is that there are so many different human emotions that might be there or might not in this example alone. And that's what we're really talking about. How do I respond to someone I love going through a negative emotion or experience? And sometimes the example won't be this sort of like shared frustration. Sometimes it'll be something they really do have to go through on their own. And 
those are really hard, but I also think those especially are the times when it's really valuable to one, be able to ask whether they want help problem solving or just a vet. And two, for both of you to have the trust required to know that you can both answer honestly. Now, to be clear, there is value in problem solving and the instinct to try and come up with a solution is not an unreasonable response. As long as humans have been around, we've been able to look at our fellow human and think, he's cold, let me rub two sticks together and start a fire. She's hungry, if I bring back an elk and cook it, maybe that'll help. But a lot of the time we're dealing with very complex things. There's, I need to hunt an elk to eat, and then there's, my husband is feeling unfulfilled in his product management role and ambivalent about the things he's working on. And those are, those are two different things and two like different levels of complexity. I think we put a lot of moral value and just value in general in being able to read between the lines and say, oh, well, I just know my partner and I know when they're upset and when they're not upset. I know my kid and I can just tell when something's wrong or what they want. I can tell what my sister really means when she says that. We put so much stock in being able to figure out unspoken things and to just do or just act without having to communicate. But our ability to communicate with each other is a gift and something that we shouldn't waste. As long as humans have borne witness to each other's pain and joy, there's been a complex combination of the practical needs and emotional interpersonal needs. And so I think being able to explicitly ask, hey, what is it that you're feeling right now? And what do you need from me? Is not a bad thing. Being able to answer honestly and trust that you will, will receive honest answers in return is a great thing. I think that learning the back and forth of communicating about our true needs is a valuable skill for anybody of any age to practice. And it doesn't have to be hey, I know you just asked for help filling a tire, but now I want you to spill your guts about your abandonment issues. It's not that, not that at all. It's just creating the space for your loved ones to move forward with clear information. An example of what that looks like, I've learned how to do it myself, but I still get kind of anxious when putting air in my tires. Do you mind staying on speakerphone with me while I do it? You see the difference between those two examples. It's something that I want to put into practice for myself because like I mentioned, I can be quick to jump into sort of a frenzied action just out of fear of inaction and discomfort with the moment. But we have to be able to hear someone say, I don't really like the way these breakfast sandwiches taste and not jump to, I messed up. I picked the wrong breakfast sandwiches. I should have known. I should have made them from scratch. and raised the chicken and hatched the egg myself and done everything perfectly to prevent my loved one from biting into this subpar breakfast sandwich. Unless you have a truly toxic partner or loved one, whoever it might be, that's not the accurate story of what they expected of you when you gave them that breakfast sandwich, you know? So give yourself grace. Do not hold yourself to this harsh standard where you're not a good husband or wife or partner or mother unless you are capable of protecting the one you love from anything negative at all. So that's what I woke up kind of noodling on and I thought would be 
valuable to share with others. Being able to recognize for yourself, I am not omnipotent and that's a good thing. I'm a human being. I don't want to have this controlling power over the lives of everyone I love. And by extension of that, that means I cannot go around scolding myself for not shielding the person I love from life. I have to let go of the idea that it's my responsibility as a daughter or as a sister or as a wife to make sure that the people I love never cry, never feel scared, never feel pain or discomfort. I can do what I can to help alleviate those things, but I can't control everything. You know, I can hand an umbrella to someone, but I can't stop the rain from falling. That's hard for me to accept. I mean, really hard, but I have to chip away at it. Without going too much into detail on the specific struggles I'm facing um, in my life, I can just say I'm not in a place right now where I can stomach many of the sayings about coming out on the other side stronger, at least not coming out of my own mouth, knowing how difficult each day is for me. But what I can say is that my own individual experience of struggle is information. I have information right now that I did not have four months ago about certain things. I have proof right now that I didn't have six months ago about what I can overcome. I have a list of things I thought I couldn't do that now I know I can do because I have done them. I can also say even just in the last month or so, I have had multiple opportunities where I have had to try and put this into practice for myself. And it's it's more difficult it, than it sounds. It's easier said than done. It's very hard to see somebody going through an emotional time that you cannot rush them through and to not solve it for them. So to be clear, none of this is to say that this is easy or to say, just be this Zen centering force in someone's life when they're dealing with loss or grief or illness and everything will be okay. I'm definitely not saying that because that's not how it works. And I know that firsthand, especially right now. But those examples, both the more extreme ones and the more minor ones have also I feel like they came to me at a time in my life where I needed to learn that the pursuit of trying to solve trying to solve someone else's emotions is kind of futile and it's not helpful to them or to me. I have had to be sort of an anchor or source of comfort or calm while knowing that somebody is not feeling okay. I have had to learn what it feels like to allow somebody to feel scared or afraid or hurt and know that I didn't cause it and I also can't remove it, but I can be there for them I can make sure that they don't feel shame for feeling the emotions that they feel. I can just 
be a shoulder to cry on. And it's okay if I can't make the problem go away on my own. It's okay if I can't erase their emotional pain or their struggle. And a lot of the time, that's not what they expect of me in the first place. But I can be there for them. And sometimes that's enough. As someone who also finds prayer valuable, I have had to wrestle a little bit with the feeling of, oh, I'm just praying for them. There's nothing else I can do but pray for them. And almost feeling guilty about that. And then really trying to redirect that for myself and think about how I feel that prayer is valuable. And I feel that it's worthwhile and powerful and what does it mean that I'm thinking of what I'm doing as just prayer maybe if I have the faith that prayer is a valuable use of my time then it's definitely worth doing another truth that I really have had trouble stomaching is Sometimes you're going to experience negative things that are no fault of your own, not preventable, not foreseeable, and it makes me livid. But learning this for myself is something I'm going to have to do if I'm ever going to be able to teach it to a future child. I have to learn to accept that I can't control everything so that I'm not modeling behavior for a future child who's going to go out into the world with this false belief that they can plan and micromanage their way out of anything bad ever happening. I don't want them to be in this space where they think they can just make a Trello board that will prevent them from ever experiencing hardship. People are going to experience a bunch of things like that that you can't protect them from. It could be as small as their favorite coffee shop is closed for repairs and they really wanted to go get their favorite like white chocolate mocha that they like. But you can offer comfort. You can say, I'm sorry that happened. That really sucks. If you so choose, you can even offer to take them to another coffee shop or buy a coffee for them. That's your choice. But what I think we have to let go of is the idea that it's up to me to shield the people I love from ever experiencing disappointment in the first place. I think we have to question the urge to as soon as someone tells you, I'm sad, I'm annoyed, I'm frustrated, immediately be hyper-focused on rushing them out of that state of being because it's just it is just a temporary state of being. And also because it's not always helpful for me to jump to my own feeling of that's an ugly emotion, so I'm going to get it out of the way. Our emotions are information and we have the power to be mindful about how we respond to the emotions of others. I have the power to be mindful about how I respond to the emotions of others. So if your husband says, my laundry smells weird and I have to redo it, stepping back from, if you wanted me to move it to the dryer, why didn't you say something? And realizing you don't actually know that he's saying that. Maybe he's frustrated with himself for forgetting to move it. 
maybe it wasn't your responsibility to read his mind and notice that his meeting ran long and that threw off his routine. And so he forgot to move the laundry. Like you don't have to project manage all of that, especially when it comes to someone's emotions. Maybe this is just information. And an important question to be able to ask as well is, do you want my help? Do you want my help problem solving? Not just how can I help? Because here's another example. Let's say you have adult children or even a younger sibling with a decent sized age gap. They call you complaining and frustrated that their landlord raised the rent. What would it look like for you to not have your heart rate spike and start thinking, oh, well now he's gonna need an extra $200 a month and I don't have it. Where am I gonna find it? How am I gonna give it to him? And now we have this problem. Really, he could just want help working through the emotion. He could want somebody to listen and validate and be like, yeah, your landlord's annoying and that sucks. But he might not need $200 a month from you. He might be in the position to figure it out himself and you doing it for him could bring up all these other emotions, all these other negative emotions that you now feel like you have to manage and he has to manage. Guilt, obligation, the fear that he's never gonna be independent. Like you just, you never know. So I think there's value in also being able to ask someone, do you want my help right now? Also, I don't know if any of y'all have seen going around on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days, this birthday cake discourse. But to summarize it, basically someone's girlfriend offered to bake them a birthday cake. They wanted a chocolate birthday cake with chocolate icing. She made a chocolate birthday cake with vanilla icing and when she cut into it, he was disappointed. He tried to hide his disappointment. She noticed that he was disappointed and she like kept asking him, oh, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he expressed, you asked what kind of cake I wanted and I'm disappointed that you made a different kind of cake than what I asked for. She got upset. She basically, it escalated to her saying like, I'm not even gonna bake you a cake next time. And him saying, well, next time you won't have to because I'll order my own cake. And if they don't do it right, then I'll get my money back. Just for context, the people in this post are 34 and 36 years old. I'm going to reserve most of my judgment about this situation, but I do think that that is a, an advanced age, me, myself personally, to be fighting like that. But it doesn't really matter what I think because it happened and it happens among people of all ages every day. And so reserving my own like, I guess, assessment of the situation and staying away from the binary, like who's in the wrong and who's not. I think what's missing is this is very clearly an example where the communication completely blows up and blows out of proportion when there's not already a baseline of being able to communicate negative emotions without it being fully internalized by the other party as a judgment on them and a problem to solve. And if you can go from that state of asking and answering a question to immediately 
fully internalizing the idea that the emotion that comes up as a result of that is this huge judgment on you as a person. It kind of makes me feel like there's something deeper going on. Just the fact that these, that the stakes are this high out the gate, that you're seemingly going from this happy-go-lucky birthday cake and candles to literally not speaking with each other. I have to think that there's more going on there than vanilla icing, and it can't be the only problem. And this specific example doesn't necessarily matter to you or to me in the grand scheme of things, but just for the purpose of an exercise, let's throw out some examples of what could be going on that actually is something to address. Pure speculation, by the way, none of this based in any real knowledge. If one partner feels like they're never celebrated or allowed to want to be celebrated and is then putting all of their stock in one detail on one day, that can cause a negative emotion and then the couple has to choose what they're going to do with it. Are they gonna talk about it? Are they gonna come up with a plan to address the root problem? Are they gonna pretend it's not happening? Does the person feel shame for even feeling this emotion? So they haven't brought it up at all. So of course nothing is going to be done with it because the other partner can't read their mind. Or if one partner feels a lot of pressure to make a certain day perfect and they fall short, whether it's that they ran out of time or it was simple oversight or that thinking trap from earlier that they may have had in their head. I know my partner better than they know themselves and I bet this would be even better. I bet this would make them feel better and feel more special. And then when they feel a type of way when that doesn't go how they expected, well, that's a negative emotion. So are these two adults going to talk about that? Are they gonna lash out in the moment? Are they gonna note to themselves, I feel icky about this, let me sleep on it and bring it up? Are there assumptions on both sides bringing up negative emotions for both people? Examples, my girlfriend thinks my choice of cake is unsophisticated. She thinks I'm basic. Maybe she thinks I'm not good enough for her. She doesn't trust my judgment. Or my boyfriend is downplaying what kind of cake he wants. He shouldn't do that. I'm gonna make something that will actually impress him. Or she didn't listen to me. She doesn't value my opinion, not even on my birthday. He doesn't appreciate me. He thinks I don't care about him. He's embarrassing me. He'd rather be single with a store-bought cake than have anything to do with me. All of these are these emotions that are deep down at the root things going on that probably need to be talked about or just brought out from under the rug, have a light shined on them so that the couple together can choose what are they gonna do with this? Are they gonna problem solve? Are they gonna vent? How much of these emotions are the other person's responsibility to do something with? How much do they personally need to work on? The majority of us are never going to be the subject of a Twitter debate or an online Reddit post about our relationship and our communication patterns, the choices that we make. Most of us are never gonna be a being dad or a birthday cake boyfriend, but I do think it's worth 
examining how we relate to these stories and how we can avoid finding ourselves in these situations when we set a baseline in our relationships about being able to communicate about our needs and our emotions when we are able to make our emotions pieces of information that we're dealing with and responding to rather than these character judgments that others need to react to. I think we can always find room for improvement in the way that we talk to each other, in the way that we communicate our emotions. Sometimes it can even be tiny shifts in language. Just yesterday, I told somebody something that you said hurt my feelings and I was trying to be intentional instead of saying you hurt my feelings because really what I was reacting to was the combination of words that they said and what it caused me to think about myself, regardless of whether that was what they meant or whether that was their intent. And so I didn't want to say you hurt my feelings because I didn't want to put the onus on the person to imply that they were the source of my negative emotion, but rather it was the words and how I chose to interpret the words and how I ultimately ended up working through that negative emotion is how I kind of decoupled the person from the statement. I think that that is a worthwhile exercise. And I also think that it reflects one of the kind of core nuggets of why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place. The ability slash aspiration to acknowledge your emotions or your struggles as things that you are experiencing, not things that define who you are as a person. And sort of by extension, when I'm able to do that, I'm able to see the people and situations around me that might be involved in me experiencing a negative emotion or a negative reaction as not necessarily you know, these causes of this person said this or did this or forgot to do this and now I'm feeling this and that is fundamentally tied to this person because none of this is fundamentally tied to any of us. It's all just circumstances and stimuli that happen to have lined up in a certain way that happen to have been part of this chain of events that maybe led to me feeling underappreciated or scared, angry, or happy, or excited. And it doesn't necessarily say something fundamental about who that person is or about who I am. And that's kind of a core topic that I wanted to explore in the first place with this whole idea of in, not of. I can be in a state of frustration without 
being someone who sees my friend or acquaintance or family member as the source of frustration in my life because there's so much more than that and vice versa i am also so much more than that i am so much more than just the sum of any particular moment and what i'm feeling in that moment or what other people are feeling around me in that moment how people are reacting or responding to me we're just way too complex as human beings to flatten ourselves into these snapshots i think i'm not a therapist and i don't have a degree in any of this um, i am a writer though so i do spend some time thinking about language and so i do find myself i guess at least exploring the value of reframing language so yeah a lot of the time i do say i'm angry i'm mad i'm sad but sometimes it is a little bit useful for me personally to try and say i'm feeling angry right now i am feeling sad i feel frustrated because Phrasing it that way allows me to separate the emotion from myself while still acknowledging that the emotion is happening. It's not this thing that I'm imagining or this thing that I'm making up. It's happening. I'm acknowledging that it's happening right now, but the right now is important in that construction. I'm feeling angry right now. I'm feeling afraid right now. It is a thing that is occurring, not a, it's not an attribute of Bria. And that's valuable for me. And it's also valuable for me to try and extend to the people around me. He's feeling really discouraged. She's feeling overwhelmed. He's feeling a little scared to know that these emotions are information and also temporary states of being they're not the full story of me and they're not the full story of you so that's what i'm using on today and what i hope you can give yourself some space to reflect on a few truths that i hope that you can take away from this episode the first it is not my responsibility to project manage the emotions of everyone around me. Our human emotions are information. My human emotions are information. And last, I am empowered to communicate openly with the ones I love. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of In Not Of. I hope you took away some value from it. I hope there was something that you can put into practice in your own interpersonal relationships, whether it's with your mom, your dad, your husband or wife, your friends or your coworkers. We're on episode three now. And if you are enjoying this podcast, there are a couple things that you can do to support. One is following me on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or on Instagram. Instagram is in not of dot podcasts. You can also 
give me a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You might have seen, um, this one's only on Spotify, but there's a Q&A feature and a polls feature. Um, hearing from y'all in those kind of formats is also a good way for me to get feedback from y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in to In Not Of.